Hello, and welcome to Everybody's National Parks. This is your host, Danielle. This is episode number 8.1, the first episode in our series on Grand Canyon National Park. In this episode, Brian and I talk about our trip to the Grand Canyon with our kids and the grandparents after Christmas in December 2017. We also briefly talk about Montezuma Castle National Monument, which we visited on our way back to the airport. Before we get to the conversation, we would like to ask for your help to grow our audience by telling your friends, subscribing, and leaving a review. Also, we love creating each episode, but it takes significant time and effort. Please consider supporting our work through Patreon, which provides a way for listeners to support the show. Just go to our website, everybodysnationalparks.com, and click on Now for this week's discussion on Grand Canyon National Park. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Danielle. What a trip. It was an amazing trip. So I, I should say that this trip, a little bit different than some of our other trips where uh, there's been a lot of outdoor adventure, a lot of hiking, a lot of being away from base camp. This one, right after Christmas, we had our very special guest stars, my parents, with us. And so we kind of hung around the main area of the south rim of the Grand Canyon. But we did do a lot. When you tally up everything that we were able to do, in the few days that we had, we ended up doing a lot and covering a lot of ground, relatively speaking, giving the breadth and depth of the Grand Canyon. But relative to the National Park and some of the more well-traveled areas, we managed to see a lot, enough that I think we have a pretty good report here. I hope so. All right. Do you want to kick it off about setting the context? I, I've talked a little bit about it, Christmas, my folks, but uh, why were we there? What were we doing there? We wanted to do Christmas at home, and then we flew out and met Brian's parents. We got in super duper late. You know, we went there so the grandparents could see their grandkids and thought, well, let's hit a national park at the same time. You're right. There was some delayed gratification because we came in late. And almost I liked it because we came in late and, you know, winding up dark paths to our lodge, which we'll talk about in a second. Parked, found the cabin, wake up the next morning, beautiful day, and the Grand Canyon was basically right there, right, you know, 25 yards away maybe. And uh, that was kind of nice to know that we woke up and the Grand Canyon is just right there in all its morning glory. So uh, that was a very nice surprise and very nice uh, delayed gratification, you know, so I I don't know if I would recommend that coming in the middle of the night, but uh, somehow that worked for us. That was very uh, a very nice way to kick off the trip. Yeah, and by middle of the night, we did arrive late. It was about midnight. Just to let you know where we stayed, we were at the Bright Angel, and your parents and the kids, of course, stayed with them. It was the Maswick Lodge. As a matter of fact, maybe it's worth it, Danielle, to describe a little bit of Grand Canyon Village of... Uh, this is where it's pretty familiar to most major national parks, where there's the central entry point, where there's park rangers, there's a visitor center, and a lot of the lodging and restaurants. And Grand Canyon Village is no different. So there's several places that you can stay. There is, of course, El Tovar. And El Tovar is kind of the one of the key early 20th century lodges that, you know, like the Yellowstone Lodge or the lodges at Glacier or the Alahani in Yellowstone. So this is of that same class. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit. We stayed at the Bright Angel Lodge, which was also old and also very nice, but they had separate cabins, and we were able to stay in our own cabin. Uh, there's also the, uh, I think, more moderately priced, the Kachina and Thunderbird Lodges. I think they're more like um, uh, motels. The Maswick Lodge, where my parents stayed, 
there's also a campground, the Mather Campground, and there's another lodge which, frankly, I don't remember seeing called the Yavapai Lodge. Uh, point is, there is a lot of lodging, of course, I think in the summertime there's a campground, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, where the backcountry is in the Grand Canyon. As you can imagine, backcountry in the can- Grand Canyon usually means down in the canyon, but we can uh, we can talk about that a little bit. But in any event, that's the village. Um, that's where we stayed. Uh, we split up our, um, just the way the reservations, we couldn't stay together, but uh, I don't know. I really liked Bright Angel Lodge where we stayed. What did you think of it? It was very comfortable. I liked having our own cabin and then going into the main lodge area. It looked like what you think of, of a classic national park lodge, um, that first, you know, where, where the desk is and everything, uh, just lots of wood and high ceilings and very old. So iconic, the lobby, that it seemed as though it could have, it had to have been a replica of an actual national park lobby lodge, which of course that's, it is a national park lobby lodge, but it seems so iconic and so straight out of what you would think it would look like. It hit all the, uh, it hit all its marks. So I just thought it was so iconic that I thought it was a replica, but obviously it could not be a replica of anything else. It seemed, uh, uh, obviously it's a true original. So that was very nice. You felt at home right there, a big fireplace as well. The visitor center you mentioned. Um, so that was a very nice place to stay. Not as expensive as El Tovar, which by the way is being renovated right now. So it, that would be a tough place to stay. Uh, anyway, so a very uh, more moderately priced, not cheap, but moderately priced as compared to El Tovar or those of you who are used to Yosemite, the Awahani or something along those lines. So I'm not going to call it the Majestic. I'm still going to call it the Awahani. <laughs> so anyway. And then there, there was a room to the left. Do you remember what was in there from the lobby? Well, there was a like a little museum, if you remember, uh, which was a, a great kind of nice little museum that was right there. There was, of course, the gift shop. And then just down the way was the restaurant, which is where we had our first breakfast that morning that we woke up. We all met there, my folks, obviously our kids and us, and that's where we all met for breakfast. So from there, once we hit breakfast, do you want to talk about what we did after that? So we got out to go see (laughs) the Grand Canyon and took some photos, and we walked a portion of the Rim Trail. The Rim Trail is long from end to end. It's about 17 miles. But we, you know, started from the Bright Angel and walked until uh, you get to the visitor center and the shuttle depot. So I think we should mention that, uh, and we should not be afraid to brag a little bit. I think we nailed the weather. Did we not? Yes. And that is definitely worth mentioning. It was December and really any time of year, you just have to be prepared. The weather could be anything. Yeah. We completely lucked out with like 70 degree weather every day. Just absolutely magnificent. I think at night when we would walk home after having dinner, sometimes I wasn't even wearing a sweater. Yeah. we I, I packed way too much winter clothes expecting it to be uh, much more chilly, chilly and wintry, which it can get. Um, it could have been. I think actually one week after we left, I saw pictures of snow and fog and you could barely see the view because it was so foggy. Yeah, exactly. But speaking of the view, all right, so we're walking along the Rim Trail, and I'm going to throw a curveball at you. So, so obviously, the main attraction of the Rim Trail 
is the Grand Canyon itself. But let's put a pin in that for a second. On uh, on the other side, to your right, <laughs> what are you seeing on the right as we're walking through Grand uh, Canyon Village? What are some of the other things? We'll get to the canyon, but uh, I just want to paint the picture of what the village looked like. What was on the right as you're walking by? On our walk along the canyon, looking at the beautiful view, we passed El Tavar. Um, then there's the Hopi House and the Geology Museum. Then there's different viewpoints, Mather Point. Yavapai Point, the Visitor Center. There's also some things on the side of the on the side of the canyon. There's that gallery. So obviously we talked a little bit about uh, El Tovar, the kind of majestic Grand Dame Lodge of uh, Grand Canyon Village. And we'll get into that in a little bit. And it was all turned out for Christmas. But what was the Hopi House? So, so do you want to talk a little bit about that and the legacy of Native Americans in the in the area? Kind of quasi museum and gift shop, and there's just lots of beautiful Native American crafts and things to see in there, and it's um, a neat structure architecturally as well. Yeah, it looks like a, and I may not get it exactly correct, but it looks like an adobe structure for Native Americans, and and from, we didn't see any, but from what I understand that. Those from the Hopi Nation sometimes would come by and do demonstrations and crafts and, and that sort of thing. But uh, it definitely was a nice hat tip to the Native American, the Native American influence at around the Grand Canyon. So that uh, you see that. I guess the point is, is as you're walking along the Grand Canyon, obviously you're being overwhelmed by the view of the Grand Canyon. But there's also in the village on the on your right, if you're walking the direction we were walking, uh, plenty of activities to do and plenty of other things to kind of step off on the rim walk to uh to do whether that was stop at the hopi house or the visitor center or uh or the geology museum which was also positioned in such a way where it kind of jutted out i wouldn't say over the canyon but definitely in an overlook where you had a spectacular panoramic view mm-hmm. and one of the highlights for me in the geology museum was seeing the photograph from space yeah so you can actually from space you can see the Grand Canyon, and that was very, very cool. So just to, I mean, we'll get into the scale. It, I think one of the great things about the Grand Canyon, and I think, uh, Danielle, I'd love your opinion on this. And we haven't talked about this. We haven't prepped this at all. But when people try to describe the Grand Canyon, a lot of it is trying to square it with the scale of the Grand Canyon, the massive, massive scale with that of our human brain. And it's so hard. We understand a hole in the ground. But just what you're saying, when you see that from space and then when you're standing there looking at it, you know, I don't know about you, my brain just has trouble processing it. Or last thing, you know, we're here in New York and we have visited in the past uh, a great state park called Letchworth State Park. And I'm bringing this up because anyone who knows Letchworth State Park in Wyoming County County in western New York, it is called the Grand Canyon of the East because it's a gorge and there's a river and the river's cutting through the gorge as, as it has been doing for in this case, I think 10,000 years in Letchworth. So it's called the Grand Canyon of the East. And with all due respect, once you've been to the Grand Canyon, it's almost, you know, 10,000 years is a drop in the bucket for the Grand That was three days ago for the Grand Canyon. That scale of time and space and the geology is just mind-bending. And I think that's, obviously it's beautiful too, but my brain trying to wrap itself around the canyon and I guess you know, leading you up to looking at it from space is, man, how how small are we and how grand is Mother Nature, right? Exactly. 
Yeah, that brings up, there's the trail of time. Yeah, talk about that. That shows the geologic history of the canyon. And so you're walking and it's 1.3 mile section of the rim trail that tries to give you that scale and that concept, to grasp that concept of how long it has taken to cut the Grand Canyon. Yeah, it is, uh, you pass in a little over a mile, Daniel was right. Uh, you take that mile and it scales it to 2.1 billion years, which is just, I guess, a little under half the entire age of the Earth. And we're going to talk about this later in subsequent follow-on podcasts, but some of that rock, that what do they call it, the Vishnu rock, which is the, the oldest rock, exposed rock of the Grand Canyon, which are billions of years old. Going back to our, our good friends at Letchworth, when they're saying it's, their canyon is 10,000 years, I mean, again, that's last week compared to this. And it was great for our kids. Uh, if you remember, when we were walking that trail of time with our kids, if, you know, they're little kids, and if this is kind of melting my brain, it was melting their brains as well. But that trail of time was great because they got to say, hey, I've just walked another epic, right? Oh, hey, I'm back where the, I know what dinosaurs, I'm back where the dinosaurs are. <laughs> and then when you had to explain, all right, now we're far back, there are no dinosaurs. They're now just cells, right? There's amoeba. I mean, that was a great, and to, to think about that's when some of that rock was being formed that the canyon have, has now exposed. What a great educational tool, tool, not just for me, but you, but for the kids. Yeah, for anyone going through there. And it has the little markers. So you just look at the little markers and it's fun to go from one to the next. Exactly. So the way we did it, we ended at the visitor center. And for me, I don't know about you, but for me, the visitor center, which is standard and great, and I think relatively newish, was kind of anticlimactic after spending, you know, we walked very slowly. We were with my folks. After spending that time on the rim trail and seeing the, and taking in the Grand Canyon and then all the other fun things to do on the, again, the right side, uh, yeah, the visitor center was more of a, we saw it, we got our junior ranger books ready to go for our kids. And that was that. There wasn't anything super special about it. Obviously, the rangers are special people, but after that, it was kind of anticlimactic. So for there, we just, you know, inquired so we could plan the rest of uh, our following days, our subsequent days. And actually, there's a few different places that you can pick up the Junior Ranger book. So we actually got ours at the Geology Museum, I think. There was another smaller visitor center. So there are a couple of places you can pick it up. And so with that, we, uh, we actually did a, we did a ranger talk. Actually, it was with a volunteer. Uh, at two o'clock, and so that was kind of uh, kind of the end of our kind of the end of our hike, and we did a a kind of a geology talk. So again, for, by the way, great education for me. It was a long time since college geology, but it was also great for the kids. And I remember our kids, especially our youngest, kind of it sinking in, and our youngest, five years old, it sinking in of wow, this is a pretty old place, and we are just foam on top of a vast ocean considering the time that's going on. So watching her brain kind of process that was, that was a highlight for me. And the location of that talk was really nice. It was, uh, there's like an amphitheater set up outside the geology museum. So you're listening to uh, the volunteer talk and you've got the amazing view right behind him. No better audiovisual aid than having the Grand Canyon as your backdrop, I think. So exactly. that, that was fantastic. So now we're going to get to, if, if we have one little uh, complaint, we're going to get to one complaint, but then we're going to 
we're going to tell you how we, we solved that complaint. So Danielle, what, what was kind of the annoying thing? And again, we were with, we were with my folks who are not, uh, they're not elderly by any, by any means, but at the same time, this was a long day and, uh, you know, we were ready to be off our feet. So what, what was our little complaint? We were going to take the, we wanted to take the shuttle back instead of walking back because little feet and big feet were tired. So the shuttle bus, we want to take the shuttle bus to the train depot. And when we got to the shuttle bus area, which is right near that main visitor center, it was super chaotic. There was a line. So we got in the line, but then people are yelling at us, the people working there. What? No, get on this bus, go on that bus. Super duper confusing and, and just rude also. And it was like hurting sheep and just very confusing. And the grandparents and our kids did the shuttle another day uh, without us. They had issues too. So they were starting from somewhere near there where they were staying, their lodging to come and meet us. And they ended up going around like the entire village to then go back. And so it just seemed like they were on the wrong bus and people were rude and did not make it clear. Yeah. And to, to really set the backdrop, it, you and I are not strangers to public transportation, having lived in cities and riding buses. So it is not as though we get easily confused by a bus map or a bus schedule. But this was, you know, we were standing where we were directed, told, get on this other bus. No, that's not the right bus. And it was just, look, to put a pin in all this, because it didn't ruin my day. It was just one of these things after such a great day and something so simple, which is just organizing the shuttle bus. Stand here if you want to go there. Stand over here if you want to go over there. It just seemed like the, the, uh, the park kind of fell on its face there. And uh, I don't know if it's the park or the vendor, but it really was a bummer and, uh, and unnecessary, totally unnecessary. But we solved it. So how did we solve it? How did we solve it? Your hint is your husband is Irish. So how do I solve all those problems? We went to El Tovar and got a drink. You don't remember this? Oh, I, I, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be rude. What's rude about that? I was going to say alcohol. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing rude about that. (laughs) (laughs) We, uh, we decided that, you know what? It's time for a cold, frosty beverage. Yep. Um, And so look, this is, we went back to El Tovar. We got drinks at the cocktail lounge. It was, again, resplendent weather. So we actually sat outside in the sun with an ice cold, ice cold beers around, not for the kids, ice cold beers for all the adults. And, uh, and then, yeah, then we, um, we worked a little bit of magic because, all right, keep in mind. Uh, let's give credit where credit's yeah, due. You, you worked a little bit of magic. So just, I was about to tee you up. So Exactly. <laughs> the tee up is uh, we had a later reservation, which I had made weeks before at El Tovar for dinner, because that's one of the must-dos. If, if you can swing it, is to have dinner in, in the lodge. Uh, I set up, I can't remember, seven thirty, eight o'clock. Well, you know, we got in late the night before, outside all day. The uh, the bus imbroglio kind of took it out of us. Now we had a beer in us. Man, we didn't feel like. I don't care if this makes it sound like early bird, uh, early bird Floridians, but we were ready to uh, eat. And so, uh, but, but pack solid, book solid. It's hard to get a reservation there. But Danielle, go ahead. What'd you end up doing? I got us a reservation, <laughs> and I don't know if I should give away my secrets. No, go ahead. That's the whole point of this podcast. Give away your secret. Ah, okay. 
I just went and asked. <laughs> I just, just ask nicely. I just uh, smiled and I left everyone. I said, I'll be right back. And I went over there and asked. And sure enough, they said they have a reservation at 4.30, which may sound early, but that's when they open their doors. And so, um, and a line starts forming. Yeah. So I don't think we were, we didn't actually start eating and till 5.30 probably. And we had just come from the East Coast. So it was oh, true. three hours later for us and our kids. I mean, we can deal with it. But, you know, so by the way, it was, we were ready to rock, which I should have thought of when I made that reservation to begin with, that we would be on more of an early schedule. So it all worked out. We got to eat at El Tovar, which was great. And again, the ambiance was great. And, and uh, just that old style lodge dining experience, which I, I'm just, um, I fetishize. I think that's great. You probably don't remember, but... Right when you walk into the dining room, there was this incredible, yeah. gigantic gingerbread house. It was really cool. So we should talk about how El Tavar looked. Yeah, I was about to say, go ahead, talk about because it, it was the season. So Of course, you should always check out those iconic lodges whenever you're visiting a national park. And I'm sure El Tavar is beautiful and impressive at any time of year. But when you walked in... And saw the big Christmas tree and all the decorations. Whether you celebrate Christmas or not, it doesn't matter. It's still so beautiful and colorful and bright and classic. And, of course, there are the deer heads and the typical decorations in the lodge. But those those lights and everything was just so pretty. Yeah, it definitely puts you in the puts you in the spirit but in and a fire and the fire yes yeah. super cozy so very cozy so it puts you in the spirit not only for christmas but that national parks spirit too really if you i guess if you listen back to our yellowstone uh podcast where we stayed at the winter lodge at yellowstone so same thing it it, it made you feel like christmas also made you feel that same affinity towards the national parks so our uh yellowstone episode is uh, our trip report from yellowstone is episode 4.1 and we have a whole Yellowstone series. So you can check that out too. So that leads us into our, our next day. So after a huge meal at uh, El Tavar Dining Room, uh, our next day we got up. And this is the advantage of having your grandma and grandpa there. The kids were with uh, grandma and grandpa. And we got up and we got to do a um, a more strenuous hike. So again, Rim Trail, we had, we're outside all day, but it's flat. It's ADA accessible. There's a, a lot of interpretive things as we've talked about along the way. Um, but you know, not a, not a strenuous hike at all. So we wanted to get the blood flowing, especially after the feed bag of Christmas. And then of course our dinner the night before. So we hiked a part of the Bright Angel Trail. Now to be clear, Bright Angel Trail is a long trail, but, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about it, Danielle? What we, what we did and when? Well, the highlight for me was getting up for sunrise and watching the sunrise. We, I think we started, I think we watched from the ridge and then from the rim rather. And then once the sun was up, we started to go down and then watched the lights change as we started to descend. Um, getting up for sunrise, highly, highly recommend if you can swing it sunrise and sunset on the Grand Canyon is just amazing watching the colors change. So yeah, this is one of the below the rim hikes, right? So you're getting off the rim, you're getting down in it. But what's nice about this is that it's, you can do it in bite sizes. So you can make it a a day hike, you can make it a few hours hike, which is what we did. We had to meet up 
with everybody. So we put in a total of three miles. We went down to the, uh, this is how I know it was three miles. Uh, we went down to what's called the mile and a half rest house. <laughs> so we knew that it was three miles round trip. Uh, but that was nice. Again, it was nice to get down uh, into the canyon. So again, another perspective. And I think that's what I loved about this trip is wherever I can see the canyon from different perspectives, it always changed. So when you're down in the canyon, at least close to the rim as we, where we were, uh, you know, suddenly you're seeing a little bit more animal life. You're seeing some of the uh, scrub brush change and you just see some of the colors change. And uh, so it was nice to get down to that, that rest house. But the Bright Angel Trail is one of the more popular trails, and it is a uh, uh, it is one of the ways to get down into the canyon and overnight as well. But uh, we weren't doing it on this on this trip. So since the kids were with the grandparents, they were not with us and didn't get to go below the rim. But I definitely highly recommend that, even if you don't want to go too far, but even just walking five or ten minutes down the trail just to get that perspective it's totally different than standing on the rim trail and watching and looking at the whole grand canyon from or you know the grand canyon in front of you the view from up top yeah elevation your hike on the way back up but uh to the extent you can do it i I agree with you daniel it's a great way to see another perspective of the canyon so you had a great morning because you saw the sunrise perspective and then uh we got down into the canyon was I with you for sunrise? I was, wasn't I? <laughs> yeah, I, I, was I, that, I was half asleep. I, yeah. I did ditch you, and I said, I'm not missing this. You come and join me when you're ready. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, which I think you did with some hot tea. Cause, I did. And that's another thing, too, is being prepared for the weather, because uh, we, had, we had layers, and as we were walking, we and the sun was coming up and getting higher in the sky, we had to take layers off, but definitely had hats and gloves on in the morning. It was cold. One particularly special thing that we got to see, even though it was a short, it was only a mile and a half down and then, you know, retracing our steps back up, there's this uh, one spot where you can see petroglyphs. And that is just always very amazing and and cool. And again, uh, petroglyphs are Native American pictographs. So, uh, we missed it on the way down, but on the way back up, and it's it's in a bit of an arch, and you can see it. So, uh, again, it gives you, again, just the lessons of geological history, human history. Man, you are just uh, you are just skating on ice that is uh, miles and miles deep when you're in the Grand Canyon. Right. And these are things that need to be protected and not vandalized, because once they're vandalized, they can't ever come right. back. Right. So please protect them. Right. So we uh, we finished our hike and uh, we met up with the uh, our our big meeting point was meeting at ten thirty in the morning at the for camp visitor center for a bit of a history talk. Right. That's right. And um, that was with a park ranger and she was great and uh, there was it was a bit interactive and I remember our kids participating and answering questions and stuff. And that was very fun for them, especially since they are um, aspiring park rangers. (laughs) Yeah. And again, this, this was a female park ranger. So it was great for them to, for our girls to see her. And then uh, 
Of course, afterwards, they had hit all the marks on their Junior Ranger books, so this Ranger swore them in, which was nice. We have some great pictures of them being sworn in by this Ranger on the rim of the Grand Canyon, which is just, uh, again, your best backdrop audiovisual aid is uh, the Grand Canyon in any picture, so it was great. She talked about how the... um, how the Spaniards had come up, uh, the conquistadors, and uh, how they were run, kind of run ragged a bit, the Native American history uh, that preceded that, um, and then kind of the history of how the lodge, or the lodge, the park really came into being and how really it took off. So it was great to kind of put that all together in terms of, uh, in terms of that history. So we had a little bit of, ge- the kids had geology. We had the geology class the day before, and this was kind of more the modern history, modern human history class, which to put it all together and lead you kind of right up to the moment that you're that you're there. So, again, it was a great one-two punch of ranger talks between the uh, prior day and this. And along those lines, so after uh, lunch at uh, Bright Angel Lodge, we then uh, we got in the car for the first time since we had arrived. And, uh, Danielle, you want to talk about where we, speaking of history, where we ended up uh, going? So then we drove, wasn't too far, was it? 10 minutes, 15 minutes, yeah. maybe it was about 15 that minutes. I'm afraid I'm going to mispronounce this. Go for it. The Tusayan Museum, or Tusayan Museum and Ruins. And so there's a little museum. There was a talk there, and it's Native American history. And we did a walk there as well. So I, I thought this was great. Again, another contrast. So it's off the rim, right? You're off the canyon, and you're back into what was an old Native American settlement. Which what's left is mostly some foundational ruins and some layouts of what the village was looked like, and there's a museum there. But we took the ranger talk, and man, we learned a lot. We learned a lot about the religious practice. Uh, learned a little about living uh, off the land out there, and again, it's a obviously different landscape than where we live now. So, kind of hearing about how humans uh, kind of scratched a living out of that land, and how the Native Americans did it, I thought was. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool. And again, it's a, a quick contrast. You're now away from the canyon and uh, seeing a different part of the park. And you don't have to spend a lot of time there. We we did the talk, but you could walk around and see that pretty you know, half hour. You've probably seen everything you need to see. So it was a, a nice little uh, side trip. Yeah, with the talk, we were probably yeah, there for about an it. hour. Which was, a, I'm glad we did the talk. And then we mm-hmm. headed out to the Desert Watchtower. What was that? The Desert View Watchtower. This is a beautiful spot. So... Mary Coulter was an architect. So this was her imagination, her creation to make this tower just for tourism, but made it to in a Native American style with lots of Native American elements. It has this spiral staircase in it. And at every level, there's, I guess it's kind of like pictographs on the wall. So there's a lot of Native American artwork and drawings to look at as you climb up and then you have a spectacular view. Again, another perspective of the Grand Canyon. Right. And from there, you can see the Colorado River. Oh, yeah. Because I think that was the first point that we actually saw the Colorado River. That's a great point. The Colorado River is pretty elusive, more elusive than I thought. You only see it from the rim in certain vantage points. You're right. And uh, otherwise... The river that actually did the damage here and cut cut the canyon is uh it looks like such a trickle, such an insignificant little stream from way up where we are. We don't see it that often, but we we saw it from the watchtower. That's right. That was a beautiful spot. Everyone enjoyed that. Once again, day was starting to get long there, and kids were starting to get tired. But so how did we solve that? 
ice cream. That's right. So there's, <laughs> there's either alcohol or ice cream. Either one is <laughs> right. great. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and and uh, ice cream was particularly special because it was served in a ranger hat. Yeah. So it was served in kind of the Smokey the Bear hat, not a real hat. The plastic. So think about the plastic size hat. Like the baseball caps that you, the Sundays that are in baseball caps when you go to a baseball game. Right. The little plastic helmet right, type of things. And this was kind of the version of that, so which was very, very cute. Yes. So we took that home as a souvenir. <laughs> Matter of fact, our youngest ate breakfast out of that uh, this past weekend. So, <laughs> so w- we were well refreshed from the ice cream and then uh, we had the dinner at the Arizona room. Yeah, and and then we got to walk home both nights, the night before from Alta Bar and that night from the Arizona room and see just the most spectacular sky. Yeah, I think we shouldn't give that short shrift. The sky and the uh, – uh, especially we, got, we had such great weather and clear weather. No um, clouds. No clouds, no humidity, obviously, so it was just nothing but starlight, and it was really – amazing to see Mm -hmm. and then just seeing the silhouette of the grand canyon in the darkness yeah it was pretty neat yeah it was so the next day was our last day we couldn't quit el tavar so we had breakfast there uh so we wanted to try it one more time well that was just the two of us because we again i could not skip my last sunrise so i think i made you (laughs) get up for sunrise and squeeze in breakfast at el tavar before we went on our morning hike without the kids i was happy to do it happy to do it (laughs) Uh, however however much i complained i was happy to do it so yeah we did that and then uh want to talk about our hike we drove to the south kebab trail we parked on the street and then we had to walk up the long road to the actual trailhead in peak season you have to take a shuttle. You can't drive. And once again, similar to the day before that we described, you know, we didn't have a ton of time because, well, it was our departure day, sadly, and we had to meet up with the rest of the family. So same thing. We did a one and a half mile down to Cedar Point and then, you know, retraced our steps to head back up. Yeah. And again, South, Danielle's right. South Kebab is also one of the uh, more popular hikes. And so just to square the circle off here, you can hike from, we talked about Bright Angel. You can hike Bright Angel down to the river, Colorado River, and then back up to uh, Kaibab, and so, or vice versa. So that is a, a typical route. Um, obviously, you're, uh, and we're going to talk about this in subsequent uh, podcasts, obviously you do some backcountry camping there, and then there's the uh, the Phantom Ranch, which we did not get to do. But someday, someday that and, uh, you know, again, it's it's your pal, Mary Coulter, right? She designed these lovely stone, a stone lodge. And uh, again, it looks like something that's been there forever, but just 1922, I think. But again, I just want to say that is something that you could uh, the typical trail is Bright Angel on down, Kaibab up or vice versa, Kaibab down and Bright Angel on up. And then you end in Grand Canyon Village. So we we got little morsel bite size of each Mm -hmm. of each path. Yeah, the South Kebab, there's a lot of switchbacks, and it's just really neat to see how your perspective, seeing the different perspectives and how it changes with every turn. And as you get, you know, as you start to descend more and more, it's really cool when you're in it. If you just look straight up at certain points, it sort of reminds you of Zion. I think. It does. I, I would agree. But obviously quite different from Zion. Similar colors, perhaps. But really, any amount that you can do 
to get into the canyon, I would recommend, even if you can't uh, do a big descent. Yeah, I mean, our uh, we when we did Kaibab, uh, about 20 minutes in from the hike, there is a um, promontory called, I'm not kidding, Ooh-Ah Point. So treatment <laughs> advertising. That's right. So, I mean, if you, if you can just make it 20 minutes down, you have a... Uh, and 20 minutes back up, I mean, you have another great view of kind of the purplish Tonto Plateau, which is in the middle of the Bright Angel Trail and the uh, and the South Kaibab Trail. So that is a great view there. And you can go down and see if you can go to Cedar Ridge. And then you know, there's a bunch of other uh, places, depending on your stamina, to get down. Again, that whole hike, that whole round trip hike, well, not round trip, but uh, Bright Angel down to South Kaibab or the other way is about 20 miles, 19 and a half miles. So it is a serious no kidding around hike, especially getting that elevation on, on the way back up. But uh, someday to get down to Phantom Ranch and chill out there sounds great. Yeah, that, that would be a really neat experience. So someday. And um, talking about descent, we went down on the Bright Angel and uh, we, saw, we saw people on mules going down. Yeah. Oh, that's right. There's other conveyances on down. There's the there's the famous mules. Mm-hmm. And we also got to see uh, a few bighorn sheep. We did. They're neat to see. And they, you know, make me jealous for their dexterity around the canyon. Mm-hmm. And we saw those on the Bright Angel. I don't think we saw any animals on the South Cabob Trail. And that was it. We, we actually shipped out at around lunchtime. So that was our Christmas week trip to Grand Canyon South Rim. Mm-hmm. And we, we spent a couple of days at Williams. And if ever you want to do the famous train ride, you can take the train from Williams to the Grand Canyon. Right. The train depot is, is right there. So that is a, uh, that is a, we didn't do that, but that sounds um, like a lovely way to get to the park. Mm-hmm. And so any last thoughts about the Grand Canyon? Uh, I think the only thought is we were there. It ended up being pretty busy for Christmas week and the staff kept talking about how busy it was. And I can't imagine what it would look like in the middle of July and August. So as always, uh, you know, these parks, if you want to, I think, access backcountry or stay at one of these lodges or stay at the campground, I mean, reserve, you got to plan well ahead. I don't think this is one you just roll in on a Saturday in July. Right. That's a good Um, point. We were there Wednesday to Friday. So Friday, right before the weekend and of a holiday week, you know, a vacation week. At noon, there was a line of cars a mile long at the South Gate. Yeah, maybe even more than a mile. It was a, it was it, it stretched a long way. So, um, you know, once again, the the, the parks are popular, right? Um, and uh, I think having being being able to plan ahead or consider shoulder seasons, which is kind of our evergreen advice. But uh, otherwise, if you can make it down, it's just a it's a great mind trip to see the Grand Canyon in person. Those who have gone, I think, all would agree. But uh. It's a pretty intense mind trip to see that and see it from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to get back. Now let's hear from the kids. So first we're going to talk to my oldest daughter. Come and join us. Hello. Hello. So can you tell me, what were your impressions of the Grand Canyon? Well, I was very impressed to see very different formations of rock. Also, it was so cool to see it. Another fun fact I learned was that the Grand Canyon is as big as from Washington, D.C. all the way to New York. Crazy. Wow, that is crazy. 
another thing I want to share is that the Grand Canyon is the oldest canyon in the United States of America. Here's the reason why. So the top layer of the Grand Canyon is the bottom layer of Bryce Canyon, and the top layer of Bryce Canyon is the bottom layer of Kings Canyon. Interesting, right? That is very interesting. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> You're welcome. You have a good memory. Well, actually, I just remembered one more thing. Okay, go ahead. So another thing I remembered is the Grand Canyon was very famous in about the 1900s, something like that. Um, they, you took a train to get to the Grand Canyon. So when the train stopped and the conductor took his break, usually the passengers on the train went to go get like a snack. So they asked a bar to get whatever food. But it usually never came, so they paid this money for nothing. They would be waiting for their food, but then it would be time for the train to leave. Exactly. And so if you were not lucky, you would get your food. But it's actually better to not get your food. It's not good foods because a lot of people have been eating it, but then it's time for the train, so they return it. And then the next train comes, and... Another person eats that same thing, and so they would get sick. So it's actually good not to eat it so that so you don't get sick. Oh, they would spread a lot of germs. Exactly. Wow. I think we learned about that in the presentation from the park ranger on history. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly right. Thank you. We've learned a lot from you. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. See ya. Until the next trip. Bye. Bye-bye. You will love the Grand Canyon. <laughs> Thank you. And now let's hear from my younger daughter. Hello. Hello. What did you think of the Grand Canyon when you saw it for the first time? I was, like, scared on day one. When, when it was day two, I was like, I know what will happen. Just, like, don't go to the edge. Why were you scared? On day one. It was mm -hmm. because, like, the canyon was so big, and I didn't want to fall down and crack my head open. <laughs> no, we would not want that. There's a big wall to protect you, right? Yeah. You're not at the edge. Yeah. At least on the rim trail. Also, today, it's breaking the canyon by the river. The water is breaking up the canyon. Mm-hmm. Yep, the canyon is still growing today, and it's still erosion. And it's still breaking. Okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Bye-bye. Bye. And just uh, before closing, we flew in and out of Phoenix, which was a three-hour drive. So we had some time before our flight out. Montezuma Castle is is close by. So we were able to do that for an hour, hour and a half. Montezuma Castle National Monument. Yeah, that. so explain what that was, because that was a lot of fun. It was really cool. The kids were really intrigued. It's one of the best preserved cliff dwellings in North America. Um, 
it, so what you see at the Montezuma Castle National Monument, there's there is a visitor center there, and you can get information and a junior ranger booklet. And there's a little bit of there's a small walk to do, and you see the quote unquote castle in you know on the side of the cliff, and it's you know over. Um, it it basically represents like what would have been at the time a twenty room high rise apartment. It sort of functioned like a prehistoric high-rise apartment complex with many different families living there. Built into the side of a cliff. So it was hard for the uh, enemies to get to and also hard to flood out because they were relying on the river that was nearby. And it was, it, basically, it was kind of a nice appetizer to Mesa Verde National Park, right? Which, so you, you got kind of a little bite size of what Mesa Verde, which is a, a lot bigger apparently. But uh, it, was, it was really cool to see, and, and uh, I had more fun there than... I thought just uh, it was re- well constructed. Uh, obviously, the castle is, but the park is kind of set up pretty well. So you get this kind of big uh, exposition when you get to the end of the little walk, and you get let your imagination run wild about what was going on in there and how people lived and how they were living with the river right there. So it was a uh, our kids loved it as well. Right, the legacy of the Sanagua culture, and they were in the Verde Valley uh, over a thousand years ago. And they build it very high because there's the Verde River and uh, it's adjacent to Beaver Creek, which um, can flood. And so they had it high to protect themselves from the flooding, but need that water for farming. Yeah, just ingenious on how how some of these things were engineered and constructed. But anyway, it was a nice little bonus Mm-hmm. At the end of our trip to head to Montezuma Castle, and we actually, in record time, the kids got their Junior Ranger badges from Montezuma Castle yeah, as well. So we, we, did. Were pretty, we were pretty proud about that. We had to keep them hustling along because we did have to make an airplane. But <laughs> um, there's also uh, Montezuma Well, which is 11 miles to the north. We hemmed and hawed about which one to go to, but we went to, we decided on the Montezuma Castle because we wanted to go to the visitor center and Montezuma Well, which I also hear is very nice. Um, and much more primitive, but does not have a visitor center. So that is a trip. That was our trip. So uh, great. Can't wait to go back again. And I'm glad we were able to tack on Montezuma Castle as well. You're right. I'm glad you brought that up. But uh, that's it. Grand Canyon. So more to come. Uh, well, uh, you know, we just touched upon what is the Grand Canyon. I think most people know what it is. Uh, but, I, you know, we, we talked about our impressions, but I think we're going to talk about the geology of how it all how it all came together so you, there's a better understanding when you go visit. We'll talk a little bit more about the history. And uh, uh, one thing we didn't do, I want to talk a little bit more about how one camps at Grand Canyon and how to manage getting down in that canyon and camping in that canyon and how that all works out. I am actually curious to learn that for our next trip. Mm-hmm. So I'll be learning with everybody else. And I think that's the most important thing is just be prepared for uh, different types of weather and, and water, um, having right. enough water to drink. And those are like big safety things to keep in mind when you are planning your trip. So until next time. Until next time. And thanks for listening. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to Everybody's National Parks. You may find links to resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes on our website, everybodysnationalparks.com. While there, consider clicking on support our show. You may find the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. If you like the show, 
write a review, give us a five-star rating, and please tell your friends. You may also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or send us your comments at everybodysnationalparks.com forward slash contact. We'd love to hear from you from the parks you are visiting, so please tag us at hashtag everybody's national parks. Most of all, enjoy exploring the national parks with your family. Bye for now.